Hello, this is international football commentator Derek Ray, and you're listening to the Ranks FC podcast. Hello, Rank Squad, and welcome to Ranks FC. It's the third episode of the week, a special bonus episode coming out on the day after deadline day, looking back at this transfer window as a whole. We're recording here in the evening of deadline day in the UK. There's a couple of hours to go, but we've set our minds uh, and made our decisions on what's going on in this window and what we're looking back at. Dean is unfortunately predisposed um, because he is working like a lunatic around the clock this evening. So fortunately, you're just stuck with Sam and I. So it gives me great pleasure to say hello to Mr. Sam Tyler. Rank God, how are you doing, mate? Yes, mate, I'm good. I'm good. It's been a bit of a whirlwind day so far, hasn't it? Lots going on. Um, but we feel comfortable sitting here talking about these players and having made our picks because surely now in the remaining handful of hours of this transfer window, there are going to be no genuinely sensible or excellent deals struck, right? This is a time for panic. This is a time for making ludicrous promises that you possibly can't keep. The stuff that we're going to talk about was well thought through, made with uh, transfers made with a clarity of mind, and that's why we can definitely call them the best. Yeah, I mean, Fulham just signed live in Kazawa. Anything can happen, I think, at this point <laughs> in the transfer window. We are, we're, we're at that stage of the window. Things are, things are going mad. But um, it's always enjoyable in some ways. I imagine it's less enjoyable for Dean, who is stuck trying to answer questions from everyone and their dog um, and get, get, the end, get to the end of the day. He's just like waiting for that 11 o'clock bedtime deadline closing. He's like, right, I'm out, done. Thank you. See you in January. I told him, I told him man, I told him the Turkish window stays open for a bit longer. He's going to have to check in on those, those transfers. Who's moving to Siversport? Who's going to Konyaspor? I need Dean across this. He doesn't realise this yet. Yeah, well, we, we'll, we'll spring that on him next week when he's uh, when he's less stressed out about everything. But uh, for that, it's you and I, and we're basically, we're going to do some mini rankings. We haven't done this for a while, actually. It, it's something we did quite a lot back in our BR days. Picked a couple of different things and and, and did some smaller rankings rather than one big one. Um, so we're going to be picked four topics, haven't we? We've picked uh, best trans- best big money transfers, uh, best loan deals, best bargain basement steals, which is round under 15 million we've kind of gone for, and and transfers we're unconvinced by, um, which I think is is going to be an interesting and relatively controversial topic. So we'll end with that one. We'll put that one, we'll put that one right <laughs> at the back. Um, but I think we have to start with the big one, with the big money transfers. Now we've done two each. I've done this one and loans. You've done the bargain basement and the unconvincing transfers, which is exciting. Um, Mm -hmm. So we're going to start here. I I basically put a 40 million bottom cap on this. If it's not 50, and I'm using pounds here because I'm in the UK. Sorry if anyone has to translate these uh, into their own native currencies, but I'm going to just go with pounds for the time being. Um, So we're going to go with anything over 40 million pounds counts as a big money deal this summer. Um, There have been 19 of these transfers only five of those 19 have come outside the Premier League, which is pretty stunning, frankly, um, but also an arbiter of just how financially powerful the Premier League feels at the moment in comparison to everybody else. So there's some big names in here and um, there's going to be some controversial calls, but I'm going to go for three players. I think I'm just going to read them out and then we can kind of work through them and work through some of the players that you might have had instead. Okay, so I'm going to go at three. Matthias De Ligt to Bayern Munich for £60 million. Uh, at two, I'm going to go for Gabriel Jesus to Arsenal for £46 million. And at one, I'm going to go to Erling Haaland to Manchester City for what Are you? Is, uh, incredibly looks like the biggest steal of the window, £54 million at this point. Um, now, you'll have noticed, you'll have noticed that the, the common theme with all these players I've gone for is that they're under 25 years old and i know people are going to be screaming at their headsets going robert Lewandowski." and i know i know i know i know it's it's difficult to put him out of here and i know how good he is and this is in no way a an arbiter of anything apart from him being you know an excellent player but i do think if you're spending this much money on a transfer you either want a long-term investment return in terms of on-pitch action or you want an investment return in terms of sell-on value. 
And I think for what I'm seeing from these three players is that they could either be long haul players for these respective clubs uh, and, and kind of do a six, seven year stint at top level, or they could sell on for a higher price in three, two, three years time. Um, and I think that's kind of, for me, what the big thing about big money transfers in, but I, I'm sure you will, you will differ here. Yeah. I mean, I'm not really going to sit here and argue with Erling Haaland at one. Um, I'm probably not even going to bother arguing with Gabby Jesus at two. He's in my top three, one way or another. Um, but I've got, I've got three names that I would put in here at number three. Actually, no, two. I, I'll, I'll limit it to two. And Lewandowski is, of course, one of them. Um, at around 40 million or so, this is just a wonderful deal. There won't be very much sell on here. Maybe no sell on at all. But Lewandowski, despite being in his mid-30s, is in incredible shape. You know, he takes incredible care of himself. Started like a house on fire, fire at Barcelona. And yeah, I, I don't really see how I can leave this this player out. I mean, 40 million is actually cheap. It would have gone higher. The fact that he was able to leave Bayern Munich at all is is flabbergasting. And Barcelona have picked up, you know, potentially the best number nine in the world. It's a basically a four-way race at this point, isn't it? Between Hall and Kane, Lewandowski and Benzema. Yeah. Um, but one of the best ones. And these players shouldn't be on the market. They're not supposed to be attainable. You're not supposed to be able to buy these guys. Uh, and somehow Barcelona have done it. So I give them immense credit for it. And I have to say he'd be he'd be in my t- in my top three. And to be honest, I like Jules Kunde here at around 45. This is very cheap for Jules Kunde. Very, very cheap. You look at some of the stuff going around like, you know, Wesley Fofana, he's ended up costing just shy of a, of a transfer record for centre-backs. Kunde is way better than Fofana, in my opinion. Now, Fofana is a lot of potential too, of course, and we'll judge these players further down the line, but Kunde at 45 and Fofana at more like 70 is, is a big, big difference between these guys when one is already the better player with also a lot of potential. I saw links to Guardiol for 90 million euros and a loan back. The centre-back market continues to warp itself into oblivion. And there's Jules Kunde at 45, just looking better and better and better by the day. So those are my two that I'd add into that conversation. I have no concerns with you putting Haaland and Jesus in there. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing with Delict for me is that he's just turned 23 years old. He's already been, you know, at a very, very high level for a long time. Um, Now, it didn't work out for him at Juventus, but I don't think that's through any major fault of his own. Bayern have got him for cheaper than Juventus bought him for. And he's one of a few deals on, you know, you look at the different kind of what players are worth and what what people have paid for them. And I agree with you in in terms of uh, Jules Kunde. I think he's in this mix as well. One of those players, they've paid less than probably what he's actually worth as opposed to overpaying for it, which is obviously the the common thing here. And you look at, you know, the biggest transfers of this window, Anthony, 85 million, Fafana, 75 million or just shy, Chiromeni, 72. Okay, as a potential element to all three of these, they're all 22. Darwin at 23 years old, 67 million. You're kind of looking at the different price profiles and, and there is that element of paying for paying for potential. But I actually think that Delict is worth this money and maybe then some, to be perfectly honest with you, I, I think that Bayern might well here have signed their rock or the rock on which Bayern will build their church, to use a phrase that I commonly like to use, um, <laughs> for the next sort of most best part of a decade. You know, Delict could be here for 10 years. And in that time, I think he will go from strength to strength, get better and better. Um, and if they sell him, I think they will sell him at a profit or at least, you know, it or he will, or he will give them minutes on the pitch and 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 trophies and and a, and a wonderful centre back to build on for that period. And I just don't see much here that I'm I'm disliking. Now I appreciate that there's different ways of, of assessing this, but I think that you look at Lewandowski at 34, and look, I'm not doubting at all how you know how brilliant he is, and I'm not doubting at all that he what he brings to Barcelona. But if you're dropping 40 million, I think you expect returns on investment. And I don't know if they're going to get that for all that long with Lewandowski. Now, look, he might turn out to be another one of these Latin freaks of nature that can play for another seven years. But I think that's a gamble. And not in terms of how what he brings on the pitch, but in terms of his longevity. And, and so that's the only reason I would leave this out. And that's not to make but it a bad not- transfer. It's just why I would leave it out of the top three. I would have it in at four. But do you not think that like... 
you know, I, I appreciate this is an incredibly crass statement because football operates in a wholly unique orbit. But 40 million like, just isn't that much money anymore. Mm. You might um, to Barcelona just, if, they're sell, if they're selling you, seats by the single, you know, actually selling <laughs> the seats from the new camp to, to make it back in two years' time. Yeah, five-a-side tournaments at halftime with the fans 360 euros ago. Um, yeah, I mean, look, 40 million, you've just said that 19, there've been 19 transfers of 40 million or over. Um, it's relatively commonplace for this amount of money to change hands. It's not an absolutely ludicrous fee. No. Now, Anthony's fee is very high still. I'm still not quite numb to 100 million euros or 70 odd million pounds. But 40 million, pretty much the going rate for a good player over the last three, four years. Lewandowski isn't a good player. Lewandowski is an elite footballer. He's arguably the best striker in the world. And it has, and he's owed one Ballon d'Or. That's how good he is. He's so I think that, I think that ultimately... If you've got two seriously good seasons out of Lewandowski here and you manage to topple Real Madrid, this is money well spent. Forget forget 2025. Forget that. They can they can realize this value for me in, in 2022 and 2023 alone. Um, so that's where I stand on Lewandowski. I just don't see it as that much money. Now I like I like the Ligt. Obviously, 60s not not cheap, but it's not tons. It will rise a bit more if it's a, a success. It will go up a little bit. Um, but I like Kunde. I think I like Kunde more, and he was cheaper. So yeah, they, 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 these are my two for this discussion for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's fair. And there, there's all not all that much to say on Erling Haaland. He's scored ten goals in his first five Premier League appearances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the fact that obviously, the, well, this is the thing. The fact that obviously the the fee was set early doors um, and, and sorted out by Dortmund and, and Haaland has allowed him to to fulfill the move that he wanted to make is is obviously part of this and and that's that's the smart business element of this right isn't it, it it's the yeah. looking at things in advance and making sure that they're done and this was done before the window even opened and and, and that's what, before the season finished wasn't it wow it felt, <laughs> it, felt it felt that way didn't it it felt <laughs> that way um and and this is what you know you're looking at you you see the 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 best transfers in this window or, or the these ones we're talking about here done early and and I think that's that's kind of part of this, isn't it? It's people thinking highly of of a player and making sure that they're doing everything they want to to get it done. So yeah, there, there's been some some later additions. Obviously, Casemiro, Alex Izak in here at, at kind of five and six. Chiumeni was done early. We haven't discussed him. It's a lot of money, but he's incredibly good. Um, so yeah. it's, there's, it's one of those really strange ones. You're like, would you pay that for too many? Yes, yeah, I would. Seventy-two million feels fair. Does it? I don't think it's quite as good a deal as the others because it doesn't feel like quite as much of a steal. Um, but I think that what you're paying for there is is pure talent and 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 the potential to go with it. And the fact that he's basically had to walk straight into this side and, and Real Madrid don't seem to have bad an eyelid over it make most of the money back by selling Casemiro and, and downgraded or well, upgraded eight years in terms of uh, age profiles, if you will, it feels like a, a good move for everyone involved at, at Real Madrid. And when you put, but trying to put things in context of other signings, I think makes things difficult to, to kind of look at straight. Yeah. Also just like a step down again, those 40 million plus transfers. I don't know if they feature in the list, but like, you know, Lucas Paqueta is, is going to end up in the 40 to 60 range somewhere. Mateus Nunes is going to be he just He just in snuck in Mateus Nunes. In. Well, yeah. I've been using transfer market for my fees, which isn't perfect. It never is, but there is no perfect element with yeah, so yeah. much of it now undisclosed. So I've been using them. But those two, you know, those two are, I mean, they've gone to, you know, Premier League clubs that traditionally place like somewhere between seventh and thirteenth, and they've gone for forty. I mean, Paqueta could rise to sixty in the end. You know, I think based on some reports and see that these are fantastic players. These are also exceptional signings. Um, there's been a lot of them. It's very competitive to get into this top bracket. But Holland, uh, Jesus, and then one of Kunde, Lewandowski, Delict. Let's shake hands on it. Yes. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, who, the person who's very unlucky not to get in here is Vitinha, who's gone to PSG for approximately 38 million. So he was just below oh. the threshold, um, but he would have been in there for me um, in third if he had, if he had just tipped over that balance. So that's mm. where we're going to land on him. And it's a slightly separate conversation as well, by the way, he doesn't qualify for this list, but if, if this was a 30 million or more, then I actually think that a top three signing 
blanket on the window, Sadio Mane to Bayern Munich. I love that deal. Again, it's one of those deals that I didn't think would be possible because I didn't think the club would let him go. Guess is the contractual situation kind of forces it a little bit. But Sadio Mane for around 30 is uh, is pretty damn good. Doesn't qualify for that. But uh, as we're talking big names and big acquisitions, I think he's worth a mention here. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Okie dokie. Well, after the break, we're going to be bringing you our next two mini rankings. Don't go anywhere. Champions League football is back and streaming on Paramount Plus in the US. Nine months of heart-stopping, hold-your-breath exhilaration starts on September the 6th with the biggest stars, top teams and craziest fan bases across Europe. Watch every match from the group stage through the knockout rounds as Benzema and Real Madrid defend their title against Liverpool, Manchester City, Chelsea, PSG, Barcelona and more in football's biggest club competition. So don't miss a single sweat-soaked second of regulation time, stoppage time and extra time and stream every match of the UEFA Champions League live starting on September the 6th exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome back to Ranks FC, where we're into our middle segment, which is going to contain two little rankings. And then our third segment is going to contain the final one. So I'm going to throw over to you here, Sam, and we're going to mix things up. Yeah. So let's take a look at some of the transfers that have happened that we love, but have gone for a little less money than maybe the 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 that we've been talking about up until this point. It can be very difficult to hold these transfers up side by side and really measure them. Um, it can be very, very difficult to gauge them. And if you was a rank, maybe like the top 10 or something, like where would you put a player who cost 9 million versus, you know, Erling Haaland who costs 50 odd or maybe up to you know 70 or so. It's difficult. It's really difficult. So let's segment it a little bit. And um, you called it bargain basement. I'm not sure this is necessarily bargain basement, but it is definitely cheaper than your average. It's because my I've original a... ban for this segment was like an under 5 million. You were like, oh, I'm just not doing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So a top three transfers that have cost 15 million pounds or under. And I'm going to start by cheating. And I'm going to roll two players into one. I'm going to go at number three. It's a dual entry and it's Southampton's Romeo Lavia and Armel Belakotchap. I've done this so that we don't just spend two thirds of this ranking talking about Southampton. That's, that's the, wow. that's the premise. It's not, it's not because I'm trying to cheat. Um, I want to be able to include two more players and talk about two other situations after this, but I feel like rolling these two into one. They've both been absolutely sensational to start the season both taken to the Premier League like a duck to water. Both look super cheap already. They look really, really good. Um, at number two, I've got David Neres mm. to Benfica. Yeah. One that we talked about months ago when it happened. Benfica got this one really sorted really, really early. And then it's we just kind of gone quiet about it, but he's gone about his business really nicely. And then at number one, I'm not really sure I can go any other way than Kavara for nine yes. million. Yes, I, I think like, I just, of, of I'm not... the beginning, that's about where we, we've got to fall, right? Yeah, I think so. Kvica uh, Kvaratskhelia uh, signed for Napoli this summer. Incredible start to the season. Looks absolutely wonderful. I think he has to take num- the number one spot. So those are that's my top three or top four, kind of. Um, I th- originally, I was going to have Emmanuel Dennison here, but then I realized actually he cost a bit more than 15. I really, I, for some reason, I thought he cost fif- uh, 13 and he didn't. He cost like 20. Um, still a good buy. But yeah, Lavia, Bella Kotchap, and then David Nerish, and then Kvara. What do you think? Yeah, very, very good. I mean, I think Kvara is the, is the obvious one here. There, there are a couple of midfielders that I thought you might you might chuck into the mix. Mohamed Kamara signed for Monaco. Um, mm, which is like a, a very, very astute pickup, 30 million. And Renato Sanz gone for 13.5 by all accounts, although it does feel like there, there are add-ons to be yeah. to be done, I think, at, at that point. So, yeah, I, I think there was a couple of nice things in France that happened around this kind of level. Um, but I, I think that there's lots to, lots to kind of get into. Obviously, this is a, a long list of, of players because most signings happen under the 15 million mark. So I think to, to slim it down that much was, was, was Aaron Hickey just under 15 yeah. or that tip over that, yeah. that, that, that might I end up being was... a really good bit of business. 
I think Aaron Hickey might end up being a little bit more, but I think the initial the initial fee is around 14. I mean, there's Remo Freuler here for Forrest. There's Joe Aribo to Saints. There's Marcos Antonio to Lazio. There's, there's Jonathan Klaus to Marseille. There's, there's all sorts of really nice ones here. Uh, I, I'm a fan of I'm a fan of all of those deals, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'll dig into Lavia and Belakoch up a little bit just because a lot of people still won't have seen. But actually, if you've watched either of Southampton's last two games, and they've been against Man United and Chelsea, so odds are you, you probably have seen them. Um, these two have been the absolute stars of the show. You know, Belakoch up man of the match in, in both games for me. Incredible one v one covering the channel, amazing physical capabilities and. Uh, the way he dealt with with Raheem Sterling in that in that one v one on Tuesday night has got a lot of people talking, and the way he dealt with Manchester United in general, you know, Jaden Sancho and Marcus Rashford, the speed and the guile combined on the Saturday afternoon got a lot of people talking. Absolutely loving watching him right now. He and Salasu have got a really good partnership, and then even more exciting is Romeo Lavia, who's joined from Manchester City's academy. He's about eleven million pounds. Now, Saints are going to end up taking three or four players from Man City this summer. And this follows Southampton appointing Joe Shields as a huge part of their recruitment network. Joe Shields came from Man City, came from their academy setup. So it's pretty obvious what he's doing and what they're doing. And I don't know if this is going to end up in like some kind of like informal, I don't want to call it feeder club, but like, you know, it's almost like a professional loan development system where all these players are going to end up having buybacks. Lavia, I think, has one. They're going to go and play football at Southampton. And, you know, if they're good enough, City can go and take them back. City have been doing this forever. You know, they did it even with Douglas Louise, who's been all over the news today on transfer deadline day. Um, they've been doing it forever. And Southampton have been very wise. They've, they've, gone and, they've gone and taken a smart recruitment head and he's brought with him, you know, three or four people that he thinks are ready for, for senior football. And Lavia, the positional sense on this kid to play at the base of midfield, considering he made his professional debut, like, well, full professional debut, like last month. Incredible. The press resistance, amazing. The pass selection, brilliant. And he scored a belter of a first goal as well against Chelsea. Yeah, I think did. they're both fantastic. This already looks cheap for Lavia. Like, I think he got, he, th- he looks all, like if, if this is anything to go by, the opening the opening salvo is going to go back to Man City at one point. Yeah, he feels he feels like he's already making that that state that claim, which is pretty huge, right? It's a uh... It's mm. one of those you're looking at and going, oh, okay, fine. You you really are making a making a movement, and that's a it's an interesting one. I mean, there's some there's some strange mm. deals that you can kind of chuck into the mix here before we get back into your list. Um, and I, w- I was looking at some of the ones that you know, Fabio Carvalho officially left for five million to Liverpool, mm. right? True. Uh, it's that's a bizarre bizarre deal in so many ways because you're looking and going, okay, what's Fabio Carvalho going to be worth in? three years and i think the answer could be a lot of money like a lot of money um so so for him to to have gone for five million obviously this every every word i speak is a dagger in my own heart here as a fulham fan but um you know it does feel like fabio's move there at five million was one we'll look back at and be like what that's nuts that is a nuts figure but obviously his contract was up so that was a paid kind of thing to to stop it being a tribunal um, and then obviously there were different things going on with Liverpool and, and links between the clubs having formed and the Nico Williams loan, et cetera, et cetera. But that's one we'll look back at. Matthias Svanberg left Bologna, went to Wolfsburg for £8 million, 22 years old. I think he is going to be excellent. Like really, really good. I mean, he's already very good, but I think he's going to be excellent. Um, and I think that's one we will see in a couple of years who comes back on with a with a big markup there for Wolfsburg. And an old favourite of this podcast, Sam, Jota V3, made his move to Celtic permanent. Now, I can understand why you wouldn't include a, one of these loan-to-buy yeah. deals, um, but it wasn't like that. It was a loan, and then there was a, a buy you know, activated in, in, in different ways. 6.57 million. That's another one where a Premier League club will come calling in a year or two for Jota, I think, and, and Celtic will get a major, major markup there. Um, but I think, yeah, worth pointing out, I don't think you should have included it because of the way that the transfer actually worked, but that that also feels like a hell of a bargain to have struck for a player with Jota's technical ability because he is sensational. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I don't watch much Scottish football, but I, I can see from just from the raw numbers that production-wise, he's doing just fine. Um, obviously, Celtic are doing just fine, winning 9-0 and that. So, yeah, no problem. But Jota will, yeah, that is super cheap. Super, super cheap. I think Carvalho may have just slipped through the net because he's kind of like a free transfer, but he's not. A tribunal, but he's not. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of yeah. like, 
it's weird, very weird. But you're right. He uh, he could end up being a uh, yeah, very very interesting player. Um, on to Neres. Back to the list at number two. Had a terrible, terrible six months. Um, you know, from January onwards, moved to Shakhtar Donetsk at just the worst time. Obviously, super unlucky. Has then left and gone to Benfica. He'd lost his way at Ajax before that. So actually, it's been about a year or so in the wilderness because the first half of that that's last season at Ajax wasn't really much to shout about either. He's trying to make up for that lost time though. And overall, he's looked really up. Benfica have won every game they've played. Benfica have looked amazing. Neres is a huge part of that. His four assists and two goals in all, the comp- all competitions so far this season. He's been a wrecking ball in the Champions League qualifiers. You know, Benfica are there and it's in, in large part thanks to him. They played as a Michelin and then Dynamo Kiev and he just destroyed them both. Like absolutely brilliant. It's great to watch Neres now that he's confident again and really happy to see him performing so well. Schmidt's going to be a great manager for him. And then we, we end back on, on Kvara at number one. You know, again, a really quick start. Three goals already in the league. He's laid waste to a couple of teams. Middling teams, fine, but still what a, what a start. And he and Aussie men look like an amazing partnership. He scores with both feet. He scores thumpers from range. He can dribble past everybody. Again, if he can keep up this production, he'll be in the category for signing of the season and more because I think the criticism of Kavara was always that he used to dribble around everyone and a miss. Uh, that was a bit of an issue for him, I think, initially. And uh, early signs are he's fixed that. <laughs> so everybody should be very worried. Yeah, I mean, this is it. It's just like looking at it and going, okay, how good can this kid be? And the answer is... Well, just absolutely unbelievably good, isn't it? Like you look at it and go, okay, how, you know, where, where's his ceiling? And you're watching him at the moment. I, I wouldn't put a figure on it. Now, I think we could be talking about a player who goes for you know, a ludicrous amount of money in a couple of years. Now, obviously it's early doors and there, there's, you know, lots of time in this season and there's lots of scope to have a good start and fall off. But he just seems to have everything at the moment. And I, I really do like how, you know, how he started the season, the confidence he's walked in here with. He, he's taken on big shoes here. He's walked into Lorenzo Insigne's position at Napoli. That is not done lightly. Uh, you know, a Neapolitan boy, the man who wore the armband for a long period. And Napoli fans have almost forgotten. Now, I'd not, I don't mean that in a, in a, in a nasty sense, but they've been able, he'd been able to kind of get over that kind of emotional turmoil. And it was emotional turmoil, I think, in Napoli a, a little bit, um, by being like, wow, we have the Serie A wonder kid on the block who's come out of the, you know, who's come out of firing straight away. And that's such an amazing kind of moment um, to kind of work out how, how a player can, can step in in kind of unfamiliar surroundings, make a huge leap up. There are questions and questions and questions asked of Kavada. And he's answering them all pretty definitively right now. And, and I think this is a this is a great shout for, for number one, yeah. All right, we're in agreement. Handshake. Handshake. I would have had Fabio in here, but I think I think Kavada at number one is, is absolutely 100% the right thing. Okie dokie, let's move on to some loan deals. Now, this was tricky. This is tricky and because there's loads and loads and loads of loans to kind of sift through. So there is a very good chance I've forgotten someone here. Um, I'm going to make a point and say that I'm not including Romelu Lukaku because it's a bit boring, to be honest. That's the main reason. I, I don't really want to go down it. I think it's it's, it's a really safe bet, safe as houses. Um, Chelsea have obviously lost out in this deal and an Inter have won, but... I feel like there's no huge depth in us discussing Romelu Lukaku's return to Inter again. So I'm going to exclude him from the ranking. Um, and I was originally going to have Tongi and Dombele in here at three um, because I think he has been returned to the sunshine and therefore is going to shine uh, once again. Um, but I've decided to bump him down to four in my ranking because I think that one of the best known deals make this summer might well be Diogo Leite to... Union Berlin or Onion Berlin, as they're famously known on this podcast. He has started <laughs> all four of their Bundesliga games so far. They have started like a train. He's played 100% of the minutes as they've gone unbeaten to the start of the season. Now they play Bayern this weekend and maybe this will age incredibly badly. Um, but I think that it was a player here, Sam, that both of us watched at unders level and were kind of expecting to, to make the step up really quite soon into this Porto team. Instead, he's been loaned out to the Bundesliga 
He's gone immediately into a side who are flying, who have had such a brilliant start to the season, trusted by a manager who has done absolutely beautifully immediately at his tender years at a very, very crucial juncture of how this team play at centre-half. Um, and it looks like he's taken to it like a duck to water. So I'm going to chuck him in at number three. At second, I'm going to go with Callum Hudson-Odoi to Leverkusen. Now, this is gut because obviously we haven't seen him play yet. But my gut feeling says this is a success. Um, I just think that a team who play like by Leverkusen do in a league that the Bundesliga is, which is so transitional and, and so end-to-end, Callum Hudson-Odoi is going to fly. And I think when we look at what what he was kind of mooted at going for, when there were these bids coming in from Bayern that were kind of you know, sky, sky high prices, you know, a couple of years ago, for Leverkusen to have nabbed him on a free transfer, well, not on a loan deal, um, where they're not paying all that much, I think could turn out to be one of the signings of the season. So I'm going to throw him in at number two. And then at top of this list, and although he's injured right now, I'm looking at Genie Wijnaldum because as a player fitting a team like a glove had ever gone in Genie Wijnaldum into Mourinho's Roma team. I just saw it and loved it from the moment, the moment it was kind of put onto our screens. I was like, yep, thank you very much. I think that is sensational. Now, 31 years old, um, but didn't have a great time at PSG. Obviously, he made that move. We expected him to be one of the senior heads, someone give, able to give that kind of running and, and hard graft in um, into that PSG team. It just didn't work for him under Pochettino. Under Mourinho, when he comes back from this injury, I think he's going to fly. So I am putting Genie in at number one. Now, who have I forgotten? Um, I can't think of anyone, although I've been trying not to keep, well, no, I haven't necessarily kept track of the loans this summer because I always exclude them from my top transfers. You've snuck this one in there because you wanted to talk about them. So I'm not on the ball here. Um, the one that has caught my eye, well, I'm not necessarily sure I put it in the top. I wouldn't put it in the top three, but I wanted to bring it up anyway, because it's the one that came to mind was Diego Lainez to Braga. Mm. Hasn't quite hasn't quite happened for him at Real Betis, and he's been loaned over to Braga, and he's come off the bench twice so far, and wrought absolute havoc. Um, wondering if he's quite close to a start, and then off the back of that, a really explosive season that could see him come to life. Braga seem fun. They seem like they score a lot of goals. They attack at will, and he'll love that. Really good starts of things. So that's one I'm keeping my eye on. Um, but I like your list, and with Wijnaldum, you can still put him at number one. You can still put him in the list, even if he's injured for you know the first half of the season, because all you can do is use the information that was there when they made the signing. And it made all the sense in the world for Roma to sign him. And I really hope that he can come back after the World Cup and play a big part in, in what could be a really special season for Roma. Yeah, no, I think that's fair enough. A couple of kind of honourables, I suppose, um, in Italy mostly. I like uh, Anthony Badak going to Fiorentina. Now, he didn't have a great debut as they um, lost to Udinese, nope. but I think that that he is going to be a, a really interesting part of that Fiorentina attacking fulcrum. And I really like Andrea Pinamonti, who's gone to Sassuolo. Now, Sass have lost, obviously, both Scamacca and Raspadori, who might have also made this list, to be fair, Raspadori on loan to Napoli. They brought in Pinamonti, who did really, really well for Empoli last year. I thought it looked really, really sharp. 23 years old, loan... Pretty sure there's an option on this one as well. And as, as as kind of replacing goals go, to bring in someone of that quality at that age with a kind of very, very high ceiling, I think is a really, really nice bit of business. So shouts out to Sassuolo, who have who have covered their bases really, really nicely there. Um, and Sam, one that you might have seen today that I, I thought would bring a smile to your face. Julian Weigel's gone back to Germany. He signed for Borussia Mönchengladbach. Um, I think Has he might he? be quite fun back in the Bundesliga. He's only 26. It's ludicrous that Julian Weigel is, is, only, is only 26. He feels like he's been around forever. He does. He feels like a 30-year-old, doesn't he? Um, Weigel and uh, Farker is a, is a nice match. Yes. That should be good. That should be good. Yeah, I like it. I think it's um, I think it's a fun little bit of business, and and there's some interesting things going on. But a lot of loan deals in in Italy, particularly, to be honest. Um, yeah, but Italy's Spain, mad, isn't it? It's all loan with obligations, pushing it, pushing the financial commitment back a year. How many times has like of players done a loan with an obligation? They do the loan year, then the obligation is made, and they they sign permanently, and then they move like the next day away. to somebody else. It's yeah. like Gio Simeone's entire career path is just loan 
perm, loan, perm, different clubs. It's so hard to keep track of. There is one more that we probably should discuss because he's had, well, two actually, who have had the starts Ooh. of lifetimes on loan from Premier League clubs. Fabio Silva at Anderlecht and Nuno Tavares at Marseille um, are mm. both their respective sides leading scorers. Now, one of those you might have expected, the other <laughs> I don't think so quite so much, but have both started absolutely beautifully at their new clubs and have tucked in in a really nice manner. What about Serginho Dest to Milan on loan? Well, it's Big. not done yet, is it? Well, as we sit here right now, it's not, but it will be soon, I'm sure. If that one gets done, that's uh, that's a top loan for me. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good one. Um, I think Wijnaldum is is a really, really good deal to be to be at the top of this list, Sam. Um, the yes. rest of them we can we can, we can debate all night, and there have been thousands of loan deals across the world. I, I wondered if you were going to show it, throw Yangel Herrera in here as well, um, because I know because he should have gone to love, I know how much you love Yangel Herrera, um, but there have been some some funny loan I deals as well. I don't, I don't, I don't think we can include internal transfers in this list. <laughs> Maybe um, not. Yanhel Herrera, Tati Castellanos, they're all internal CFG transfers. They don't qualify. Okay. All right. Well, Monza signing Matteo Pessina on loan is one that will continue to, uh, to, to defy logic and reason as well. So there's that one to think about. All right. That's the end of part two. We'll be back in a couple of minutes to finalize our part three, which is the contentious one uh, of transfers we're not quite sure about. Stick with us. Welcome back to Ranks FC's the third and final part of our quick fire transfer ranking special release the day after deadline day. I'm Jack Collins. I'm still here with the main man, Sam Tai, who has one more ranking for us today. Yeah, transfers we're not convinced by or transfers I don't like, whichever, however you want to throw it. I mean, look, we can't look at every deal and always appreciate them and, and, and make sense of them. Or sometimes we see a move and we think, what the hell is going on there? And I've picked out three. Um, I'll give a couple of honourable mentions first and I'll make them honourable mentions and we'll go elsewhere, mostly because we have spent some time over the course of the summer talking about these deals, so don't need to go back over them. But Raul Bellanova isn't very good, so I wouldn't have signed him if I was Inter. And Amadou Onana has ended up about double the price I think he could possibly be worth for Everton. So not sure about those ones, but we've covered those. So let's go for something new. And at number three, I'm going to put and this is going to feel a little bit like blasphemy because we love this player, but I'm putting Carlos Soler to PSG in at number three. Mm. I'll explain why in a moment. I'm putting Artur to Liverpool on loan at two, and I'm putting Marcus Alonso to Barcelona in at number one. Yeah. I'll try and coil my rage and fold it up and compartmentalize it initially so we can get through the Soler chat and I'll unleash for the other two. So on Soler... I really like this player. We love this player. Um, in isolation, in a vacuum, 20 million euros or so with some add-ons for Carlos Soler. He's absolutely worth that much money. This is an okay deal in a vacuum. But I'm just a little bit unsure as to why they've why PSG have bought him. That's, that's my concern here. I'd be a little bit concerned about his playing time. Um, and I know that while PSG have basically overhauled their entire midfield, Soler is probably now the fifth midfielder. Um, they've obviously gone for a very different field. They've got younger, they've got more technical, fine. I don't know if in this PSG formation, Carlos Soler can play his best football. I don't know if they're going to be able to unleash him in that way. And I'd be worried about his playing time. I'm delighted that he's going for a new challenge because there's no point sticking around at Valencia. Absolutely zero point in that whatsoever. I just wish it he'd gone somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. It's really tricky, isn't it? It's one of those that I'm staring at it being like, obviously this makes sense. I'm delighted Soler's got a big move. I hope he can be a part of this side, but I completely agree with you. You know, they've gone to this three at the back formation and the Galtier, unless he has designs on moving out of it, which doesn't look like a particularly sensible thing to do, given how PSG have started the season um, at this point. But maybe it's to be able to mix it up. Maybe it's if they are, you know, chasing a game and they need someone to pull strings in the middle. Um, then, then they can bring Soler on and he can do that. But all my brain is screaming at me is Sarabia, Sarabia, Sarabia. Um, and, and that's the worry I have. Now, that's not to say that Pablo Sarabia is anything but a wonderful footballer. I really, really like him. Um, 
but it just didn't quite come off for him at PSG, did it? And and that's where my brain is going with this one. Now, every team needs players who can be in the rotation, who need, you know, get have that depth. But with playing a two-man midfield and the amount of bodies that they have in there now, you know, Fabian Ruiz joined as well. Um, Renato Santos, obviously, Vitinha, Verratti. I just not completely convinced by any of it. And, you know, the whole thing I thought about Valencia, now look, I don't blame him for getting out of there because that whole place is a madhouse. Um, but the whole thing with with with, with this kind of getting out of, of Valencia was they sold Maxi Gomez, they sold Gonzalo Gedge. And the point of those two sales was supposed to be so they didn't have to sell Gaia and Soler. So I just have no idea why Valencia have done this either. It, it doesn't kind of make sense from any party to me, apart from Soler himself, who was, was probably just delighted to be out of there, to, to be honest, at this point. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Uh, it is It is weird. It is a bit weird. Valencia are cheaping out a little bit, aren't they, uh, on the loans and, and the freeze and stuff like that. And they're selling off their assets. It's a bit of a shame. Gaia's just going to be the only one left in the veterans room there. I bet he used to debrief every year with Carlos Soler and now he's going to be doing it solo. Real shame for him. But yeah, Soler, and just... um. Again, not doubting the calibre of the player, just wondering why PSG felt the need to make their fifth midfielder for the group him from a profile perspective. Not sure about that one. Um, Let's move on to number two, Artur. Mm. Um, Look, I don't care that it's a loan. I don't care that there's no obligation. I don't care that Liverpool have a ton of injuries in midfield. I don't understand this at all. I don't get it. I don't know why they've done this. Artur has almost no qualities that Jurgen Klopp looks for in a, a number eight. He's not aggressive. He's not physical. He's not good at pressing. He doesn't read the game very well defensively. He's not a good tackler. He's not mobile. Um, he's not even like a Tiago level passer, you know, with some physical misgivings. He's just a basic five-yard distributor. Um, he's like Jorginho, but with worse defensive awareness and even less personality on the ball. I am stunned that they've signed him. I don't, I don't, I don't care if it's short term. I don't care if it's in a fix. I'm stunned that they have signed our tour. Stunned. I like this more than you do, um, which isn't saying very much to be perfectly honest with you, because I'm not sure that anyone's ever liked to transfer. Actually, this is only number two, isn't it? God help us. If we get <laughs> to number one, toxic Sam's out to play. Um, but I don't mind this quite as much as you. Um, I think that there is clearly a player in there, or there was at one point. I think that there at Juventus, everybody in this entire midfield has looked terrified for the best part of like three years. Um, and I think that Artur is press resistant and showed in sparks that he can, you know, do a little bit of that, that, that kind of efficient short drive and get rid of the ball and move it on that, I think that Liverpool will do it. He's good at the switch, which Klopp will like. Um, and he'll be able to play them out of trouble through their own midfield. They've really struggled with that this season. You know, we, we saw them get hemmed in by Fulham on the opening day, by Manchester United, by those presses that overwhelmed that midfield, which has been very, very stale. Um, and I think that Artur will offer them some sort of help, respite in that. Now, my issue with this transfer is, is different to yours. My issue is that this is a bit like when Arsenal had all those injuries and they signed Kim Chalstrom, um, they just signed another <laughs> injured player to, to deal with the injury list, which is, that's my big concern with this. I'm not sure I would, I'm not sure I would be signing Artur to cover injury problems given the injury history that Artur has, but actually on yeah. the pitch, I, I, I like it a lot more than you do. I, I think that there is a player in there. I think he's been hamstrung by a few different systems. He didn't thrive on the Setien at Barcelona. Not many people did. And that's coming from a, a Kike Setien fanboy. Um, and then he's really struggled in these years at Juventus where nobody has really covered themselves in glory in that midfield. And it's been stodgy and sticky and, and it has been, you know, five yards sideways past. Is I agree with you, but I think there's more to him in his skill set than perhaps has been shown in this time at Juventus. And I think if he has a manager there, you know, the talent around him now and the ability going going forward in this players, I think that there might be something here. I think he'll do okay. I hope that your optimism is well placed. That's what that's all I've got. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, look, I am, <laughs> I just, I, I'm relentlessly optimistic. Um, I, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not going to be about your number one, but I, no, I've I am got, relentlessly I've got, optimistic. I've just got, 
Yeah, I've just got like like so little faith in this player left after all these years, unfortunately. And I usually any cl- any player going to going to work with Klopp, I'm pretty optimistic about because he can work wonders with people and he can he can change people's lives. But yeah, no, not on that one at all. Um, okay, number one, even worse, Marcus Alonso to Barcelona. I hate this deal. I hate it. Right? I <laughs> it doesn't make it any from- sense. It doesn't make any sense in any capacity whatsoever. Yeah, I hate this deal from Barcelona's perspective. Good on Marcus Alonso, gets to go and play for one of the biggest clubs in Spain. Well done to Chelsea for using him as bait to lower the fee that you're going to have to pay for Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Well done. From Barcelona's perspective, I don't get it. They've spent the entire summer chasing this man and they probably feel really happy that they finally got their man. At no point during this entire summer period should they even have been going near him. I don't get it. He is okay He's an okay player. He's a uh, he's a good goal scorer. Yeah, he's a number nine stuck in a left back's body. That might that might that might be the sum total of his scout report. Good goal scorer from wing back. Look, Barca do play with a very attacking left back in, in Alba, so he, he can step into that. And I can understand the balance. Like if you're going to use maybe Kunde as a right centre back slash right back and sw- and swing it round again. I'm like I'm kind of there with it. My real problem with this, of course, is. Stop blocking Alex Balde's development, who for the second preseason in a row has looked really bright. And now in these that sort of like the first few minutes that he's been given this season has looked really, really good. Why do you insist on blocking his pass to the first team when Balde in six months, if you gave him the opportunity, he will be better than Alonso? It's just... if, if you gave him the minutes, he would be better. He is your academy product. You've been scratching around for pennies all summer. You've had to be a bit careful here and there as to where you spend money. And then you just, I don't, I just don't get it. It doesn't make sense. Like I, I it, and this could do it. This is one of those ones where even if Marcus Alonso scores eight goals from left back this season, right? It still won't make sense. It, it still, right. it doesn't change how well he plays this season has absolutely nothing to do. Now, I don't think he's going to do that, but even if he does, it has nothing to do with why I think this deal is an absolute tragedy from kind of every aspect. Like, none of this, looking at it, adds up. And and that's what kind of breaks my heart a little bit for Alex Balde, especially because he started the last couple of games, right, for Barcelona. He's been really, really good. Um, And now he's looking at this going, why have you brought this geezer in? Like, he must be staring at this going, well, hang on, has my first team pathway gone? Unless... Unless this has gone on without Xavi say so. And it's just something that the board have decided that they really want to do. But that doesn't strike me as how it's been working at Barcelona this summer. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they were after Aspilicueta all summer as well and they couldn't get him. And, you know, I, I have a lot of love for Aspi, much more love than I do than for Alonso, obviously. Um, but anybody can see that Aspi is, is slowing down a little bit. And if, if, if they were planning on playing Aspi at right back, that's a bad, that's a bad idea, right? I think Tuesday night definitely proved that as well. Um, centre back, fine, but they already had already signed Christensen and they wanted Kunde. Like, how many do you need? This, it's, it's, it's not, it's not. F- you want to believe that one of the biggest clubs in the world has got a clear, laser-focused scouting policy and squad building uh, plan. You want to believe that they know exactly what they're doing and that they thought about every angle and they're managing the development of their youth and they're picking players to the right areas of the right profiles. It's very hard to believe that that's the case at Barcelona when they spend all summer chasing these kinds of players. And I feel really bad for Balde. And it's definitely my frustration for him has has crept into my analysis of, of Alonso. Fine. But I'm looking at this from the perspective of Barcelona and I don't like it and I don't get it. Yeah, no, I, I I completely agree. I completely agree. I'm just really relieved that you didn't include Gio Simeone in this list because I would have had to like rage. I would have had to like rage quit the chat. Um, just just one of those that I really needed. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's a strange, strange old move. Um, and never mind. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, we we've talked about this a bit this this summer on 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 ranks and mostly in the post boxes on a Monday on our, on our Patreon, to be honest, but. Barcelona's recruitment strategy has been a bit haphazard all summer. Now, that's not to say that they've done badly. In fact, I think they've had an absolutely sensational summer across the course of the board. If you take everything into account, I think Barcelona had a really good summer. But, you know, when the Kunde links were breaking down, they were like, oh, we might sign Pau Torres. And you're like, what? 
Like, and then yeah. they're like, oh, or Inigo Martinez from Athletic. Hang on, what? Like, and it, it has happened a couple of times where Barcelona have switched targets. Now, you know, most of their first choice targets have come off, so it hasn't had to be like that. But some of the switches in kind of, you know, at, at names they're attacking, if you will, or, or at least the names yeah. that are leaked to the press are very, very bizarre. And, and it's probably something to consider when we're talking about these kind of things, that they are moves that we're looking at and going, I'm not sure about that one, Chief. Uh, Remember the right really back of the right back group they got linked with? It's like, oh, well, they want one of five. And it was like Dalit, Wambisaka, um, Jeremy Frimpong, Juan Foyt. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I mean, we're, we're, we've sort of reached our wits end with Barcelona this summer. Um, for one reason or another. Um, I'm actually, to round this off, Jack, I'm quite happy to say goodbye to the window. I don't know about you, but I'm, I've been ready for this window to shut for a good week now, if not more. I do love, I do love transfer season. Um, obviously, it's stressful and painful. And I imagine Dean will hate me for saying these things because he's like, I don't. Um, but I do, you know, really enjoy the merry-go-round that happens every summer. I, I like the January window far less because I find like the January mm. window quite, well, like quite a stressful time for everything when there are games, you know, going on. I know it's, this has been the, the leagues have started and whatever, but it feels like that's a hangover from the summer. The January one, when everything's in like proper mayhem mode and there's games like left, right and centre and deals being done left, right and centre. And I don't know what it is about January, but everything seems to happen in the last week when everything's really, really dramatic. The, the summer at least gives you some of the, the period to kind of work with it. Obviously, today's a bit mad, but on the whole, it, it works a little bit later. Um, but yeah, on the whole, it, it, it's been I think it's been a fun window and I've enjoyed it. Yeah, I think I think me just thinking about this now. It's because we had no tournament for the first time in how long? Um, yes. Well, yeah, yeah, well we had actually, well, well, actually, that's just not true. We had the women's Euros, which was fantastic, but it didn't, um, I didn't spend sort of six, seven hours a day watching, you know, three group games or whatever, like that four group games, like a World Cup. Um, and it's the first, yeah, the first time in a while without a major men's tournament. And I think it just dragged the window from basically mid-May. <laughs> through to now it's been like three and a half solid months of just transfers and it was like whoa okay now i'm ready for a bath and a hot towel and a world cup no no rest and a world cup and a world cup (laughs) we're back baby we're back silly season might have ended but silly season is about to begin in so many ways it's very uh where's it the king is dead long live the king um it it never stops the rest never comes it's uh we're about to get a little bit mad the champions league is back next week of course the europa league the europa conference league uh there's sort of two games there's midweek games all the way through now until the international break then there's an international break back at it world cup off you go um it's, it's all very exciting after the world cup there's a transfer window <laughs> <So> <laughs> we, can, we can enjoy that one we can enjoy that Ooh. one right we are rambling so it's probably time to call this a day but all that's left for me to do is to say thank you very much to sam Tai. long live the stuffed cheese cross pizza Yes, indeed. Uh, I've been Jack Collins. This has been Ranks FC. We hope you've enjoyed the extra episodes this week. If you do fancy three episodes every week, you can come and join us over on our Patreon. They're a little bit less stressful than this one, I promise. We do a Monday post box, as you heard, on Monday, where we answer all of your questions from football across Europe and across the rest of the world, of course. Uh, And on Fridays, we drop a Spotlight podcast, which previews three games for the weekend looks back at the midweek fixtures there's a lot of them to get through this year uh, and sam picks out a player to highlight um, to focus on and give us a little bit more depth about as well in fact there's one of them live right now over on the patreon if you do want to go and get involved the link is in the description below uh, but if not thank you so much for sticking with us as ever we hope you've enjoyed the extra content we'll be back next wednesday where it's time for the mighty five by five to return Whoop. who says we don't treat you take it easy gang peace